0: A Rich Tradition College Football Podcast is now live. Hello,
1: podcast land, and welcome. Thank you for joining a Rich Tradition College Football Podcast. I'm Spencer Van Horn. He's Robbie Steltenboe, two friends, one love, and that is college pigskin. Robbo, how are you? Are your uh, shirts tight enough today?
0: (laughs) Yes, they are. Thank you very much. I got whistled that today. So did uh, you? I did. I Those was out-
1: construction workers were checking you out, huh?
0: <laughs> Actually, it was, it was an elderly black woman walking her dog. Uh, I was doing some yard work today. I was um, basically putting. Uh, I don't. I don't know how to. I don't know how to say it. Like our our front porch just needed some handiwork put on it. Like some. Hey, let's put a few screws in here, nails in here. I was doing that and I was repainting it and I was laying some uh mulch into our front into our little flower bed and one was walking her dog and
1: she You're you were getting uh hot and sweaty, huh?
0: Well she was. I wasn't. I'm <laughs> I was already I was already hot and sweaty for another reason. Because well, uh... it it's freaking a hundred degrees outside. It's so hot yes.
1: Yep, we we've got it ninety and um, ninety-two and uh the humidity's got uh, Got I got the, in my car, it was
0: like one it was literally 104 in my car.
1: Ugh. Gross. Well, when I, I'm happy to be inside the air conditioning right now.
0: Man. And I got a nice glass of ice water. I'm good.
1: Robbo, uh, well, you want to get started. We had some news start or uh, uh, come across the airwaves. We're recording an hour uh, <laughs> yeah, about an hour, uh, just over an hour ago, some news come down the uh, come down the way for Jeremiah Holloman. And the Georgia football team, Holloman has been dismissed from the team. He is no longer um, no longer a part of the Georgia football team, according to head coach Kirby Smart gotten to an altercation after the uh, 2018 G day game uh, hit his girlfriend, apparently choked her and hit her. and um they did they launched an investigation earlier this month she went to the police department on Sunday June 2nd filed the report and he's been removed from the team
0: yeah um it look it's, it's not a good situation um i mean we have to unfortunately we have to have the mentality even as Georgia fans uh and i think you and i both are on the same page like i mean sorry dude but you you got to go uh, and i can't that can't stand and um i'm not for that i will never be for that and uh the, i mean if you look at it from the football perspective Georgia is in a situation where like they have so they have a ton of talent at wide receiver but all of it is just young and he was supposed to be the leader he was supposed to be the Terry Godwin S type or you know um Riley Ridley type type player this year. And that is just, that's just not how it's going to be now. He's gone. And uh, I, I, from what I have heard, he is a really good kid who just made a really, really bad mistake. And unfortunately, I mean, it doesn't matter. He's going to be branded with this probably for a very long time. And
1: that's, that sucks for him. Senior Tyler Simmons, Demetrius Robert, Robertson, uh, Dominique Blaylock, who's a freshman, but uh, Robertson's a junior. Uh, Tyler Simmons is a senior. Matt Landers is a sophomore. Those might be some names for the uh, Bulldogs this year that, were, uh, that w- they were certainly going to be looking to, and now they're going to be looking to a little bit more. Um, you've also got uh, the tight end, Charlie Warner. That's going to be looked to a little bit more, I would imagine, this season. And I wouldn't be surprised, Robbie, if you saw Brian Harion maybe split out wide to, to, as well, just because he's such a he's such a gamer.
0: Well, everything looks everything now moving forward is on George Pickens. Like that's just what everybody's going to say. Um, yeah, and,
1: and there's also uh, Tommy Bush from from last year's recruiting yeah. class as well.
0: Tommy Bush and um, oh my gosh, it's not Haywood uh oh my gosh what's his name blaylock uh blaylock um yeah dominic Dominic blaylock like i mean and that, and that's what i'm saying like we have we have ton of talent they're just green they're just right. so green and so like i, I don't want to get i want to get too bogged down on this because like we're going to be talking about the sec as a whole um today with one big question and unfortunately my big question has uh, <laughs> no one's going to be shocked has now changed um <laughs> than than it was earlier today uh, but no, man, what I wanted to do, if if you're ready to move on, do you have anything else to add or just, uh,
1: that nope, sucks? that that's, yeah, it's, it, it stinks. It's, uh, I guess there's a, a sense of, you know, at, at least at this point with the information we have at this point, Kirby is drawing a line in the sand and saying, uh, at least publicly drawing a line in the sand and saying, Hey, this is not, this is not what we're going to do. Hopefully it's publicly and it's there with the team as well that, uh, this this won't be tolerated.
0: Yeah. And unfortunately, we have to like you and I said on the phone together, like, you know, hey, I'm proud that Kirby's, you know, did the right thing. And that's not that's not a shot at Kirby. It's not a shot at Georgia. It's a shot at the the, the mentality that, that we have to we have to preface with that because of what happened at Ole Miss and what happened at Baylor. Like now we have to be proud of our schools when they do the right thing when something like this happens. And I I just, I, I found, I I feel disgusting when we have to, when, you know, when we have to think of it that way, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But anyway, uh, the other thing that I want to do really quickly, and this is quickly because I'm I'm not going to give any analysis on these players. I'm not going to give you um, really anything other than I'm going to go through the top 50 players um, on rivals.com. That's where I usually stick with is with rivals. Um, I will go to 24 seven sports um, just for, A couple of chain disparity, you know. Look at the disparity, but for the most part, I stick to rivals. And I'm going to go through the top fifty players, and I'm just going to kind of give you guys an update of who is who is right now verbally committed to where. And and you're gonna be like, Robbie, that's a lot of players. Yeah, it's a lot of players, but there's not fifty of them because there's so many who are undecided. Even though I am probably privy to a few pieces of information of where players are going to end up. But anyway. All right, let's do this. Um, DJ. Oh, my gosh. DJ, you are Galileo.
1: I, yes, I, that's I just, correct. I just you got that right on name. the first time.
0: I, I thank you. I, you know, I really, I really, I really I have, I have no idea what you what, what just happened. He is he is uh, committed to Clemson. Uh, he is out of California. We have Brian Breezy. He is from Maryland. He is uh, six, five He is from Clemson. He's going to Clemson as well. We have Elias Ricks. Out of uh, Santa Ana, uh, California, he's going to LSU. Uh, he's, and and I'm, I don't need to say going to; <laughs> he is verbally committed. Because as I, as we have all learned, verbal committing means nothing until, until pen hits paper. Paris Johnson Jr. Um, uh, he, uh, offensive tackle, he is going to Ohio State. Um, I don't know. I just keep. I just said I'm not going to say that, and I said it anyway. K- Kyle's Kyle's Murphy, uh, defensive end, he is going to Clemson. Julian Fleming, uh, wide receiver, committed to Ohio State. Justin Rogers, Kentucky's biggest recruit right now, defensive tackle. He is verbally committed to the University of Kentucky. Tate Ratledge, offensive tackle out of Rome, going to jo- uh, committed to Georgia. Demarcus Bowman, he is committed to Clemson. He's a running back. Uh, Rakeem Jarrett, he is committed to Louisiana uh, uh, LSU. Demond Demoss. He's a wide receiver out of Houston. He is committed to Texas AM. Jordan Johnson, committed to Notre Dame. Um, McKeel Sherman, uh, offensive, uh or offensive. He is a linebacker. He is committed to Alabama. I'm sorry, he is committed to Georgia. Chris Braswell, uh, linebacker, he is committed to Alabama. Fred Davis, cornerback, committed to Clemson. Miles Hinton, offensive tackle committed out of Georgia, committed to Stanford, which I was caught off guard by that one. Antoine Sapa, Sampa, he is commit he's an inside linebacker, he is LSU. Broderick Jones, offensive tackle to Georgia. Quandarius Robinson, that is oh, such a rough name to say. Linebacker, Alabama. Uh whenever I heard his name I think of uh, the Key and Peel skit. Um when they just like are making up names for players. Have you seen that one, Spencer? Yeah,
1: uh Oh man, I wish I could think of one. One of them has the first name DeBrichashaw. Uh, <laughs> De
0: yeah. Jones. Yeah, uh, yeah. Don Don Cheney, running back, going into Miami, um, or committed to Miami. Marshall Lloyd, running back, committed to South Carolina. And Avante Williams, committed to Oregon. Uh Jace McCullen, running back, committed to Oklahoma. Kevin Pine, offensive tackle committed to Pawson College. Harrison Bailey. Pro quarterback in Marietta, committed to Tennessee. And um, Jordan T- Toles, commit. Uh, he's a safety, committed to LSU. Zavir Betts, um, he is a wide receiver, committed to Nebraska. T- Turner Corcoran, offensive tackle, committed to Nebraska. Last two, Porter Brooks, wide receiver, committed to NC State. And then G. Scott, G. Willikers, wide receiver, committed to Ohio State. Now, there, again, like I told you, Spencer, before we did this, I just wanted to kind of just give a litmus test or just show everyone where these players are, where some of these players and where some of these teams are right now. You heard a lot of SEC names. I think the the name that jumped out the most, and I mentioned it, was Justin Rogers, defensive tackle, going to Kentucky, um, or he's committed to Kentucky right now. Um, I just want you all to see that like, we really are dedicated to recruiting because um, dad dadgummin' if I don't love it, so – Do you have anything to add?
1: Well, I like the idea of uh, there's an interesting article that came out, and I'll do this quickly, came out about Kentucky. And I think I sent this to you. And the coaches, one of the assistant coaches being kind of really irritated about getting uh, – you know, catching preseason flack again, not really being respected and that sort of thing, and that they're getting ready for this upcoming season. And everybody says, well, we're not picking you very high because you lost those 16 players, but nobody – the coach responded, nobody, nobody was appreciating those 16 players last offseason but before we started the season and before those players became important so you know who's going to be the new 16 guys to step up for the Kentucky Wildcats this year and uh, not that Justin Rodgers is going to be a part of that group uh, for this year but it's nice to see that they're recruiting the number 12 player uh, overall in the country according to rivals is going to Kentucky defensive tackle um, you know we start changing our opinions of teams through recruiting. And so maybe, um, maybe Kentucky, if they can keep up recruiting players like Justin Rogers, then that, uh, that opinion, that preseason opinion will change uh, here in the next few years.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with you. Uh, I'm, I'm of the mindset and, and Kentucky, I think is like the third team we'll discuss. Um, last year showed a lot of players specifically on the defensive side of the ball, that people want to be a part of that defense especially when one of their players gets drafted in the top 5 in the NFL draft, you know. So, yes. Um so man, look, we have a big big conference and the last major power 5 conference to go through today. Um it is the SEC, what you and I may call our bread and butter. Um because we live down here in the South. Um and I'm, before we get into the question, Um, I want to ask a a listener question. If if, you ready to hear it?
1: Yeah, I've got it in front of me as well. Go ahead.
0: Okay. The question is from Matt Sather. What up, dude? Um, He says, I know we are singing praises about the quarterbacks in the league, but traditionally, I feel like this league league is known for its running backs. What running backs do we see rising to the top in a bit of a transitional year? So I'm first and foremost, let's just, to be fair, Spencer, let's take Georgia off the table. Okay, because we know Georgia has like three running backs that could probably start for any team in the SEC. Okay, so let's just take them off the board. What's a running back that comes comes to mind to you to, about this question, or for uh, this question?
1: Yeah, so the first one at a very unfamiliar place, or not unfamiliar place, but maybe a surprising name, uh, Keyshawn Vaughn at at Vanderbilt is uh, still was one a- of mine yeah was a uh, was a big time back last year for the Commodores they're going to be leaning on him again this year i think he averaged what 7 yards a carry uh for the doors and uh, it'll be interesting to see they're going to lean on him more but they have questions at quarterback now so you know is he going to be as effective with teams maybe knowing that they can load the box with a, with a talented quarterback now out of the uh out of the picture there
0: um, for me, I've got two. I've got two names. Uh, one is um, Scotty Phillips um, from Ole Miss. Last year, he had nine hundred twenty-eight rushing yards. He had twelve touchdowns, um, and he is going to be a senior this year. I, I expect Ole Miss to take a step forward this year um, and be more competitive and be a better team offensively. And I think that he kind of is like Matt Corral is going to be the starting quarterback for all. For all, you know, I think pretty much everyone knows that. But I think it, the offense is going to work through him. And then the second thing is uh, John Emery, John, John Emery Jr. Out of LSU. Um, we've been saying now for about two years, ever since um, Leonard Fournette left. Uh, and who's the other one? Leonard Fournette and who? Um, oh, my gosh. Why can't Darius I? Darius Geis. Darius Geis. Uh, ever since Garius, Darius Geis left as well, um people have been asking like where is the next stud LSU running back and I'm going to tell you who it is is John Emory and John Emory a uh, quick story was originally hellbent on going to um Georgia and I'm not going to tell his business um but the rumors are that just some family stuff occurred that made him have to stay in Louisiana and so he changed and went to um <laughs> uh went to LSU and now they've got a stud um Like it, it, I mean, this kid's legit. And so those those are my, those are a few for, there's a couple for me. Do you have any others or is that it?
1: Yeah, I was going to mention Larry Roundtree at Missouri. That might be somebody that they lean on a little bit more. And I like your uh, uh, Ole Miss pick because Rich Rodriguez, of course, likes to run the ball. And uh, so, and, you know, surprisingly enough, in some of my research for Ole Miss, uh, i found that they've only had a handful of 1,000-yard running backs over the last uh, – since the turn of the century. Uh, they've had one, two, three, and one of those guys did it twice of 1,000-yard rushers for Ole Miss. So it's it, it's kind of due for them to have somebody else again and maybe start establishing a run game there at Ole Miss just because it, it hasn't been there. But um, I think with Rich rog and with – and with the uh, running back that you mentioned, um, that could be a that could be a good thing. You've also got guys like uh, Lamichael Piron at Florida that uh, should be able to step up. Now that uh, there's not going to be so many guys in the box, you could also see uh, Kylan Hill at Mississippi State, and then maybe even Raheem Boyd at Arkansas. None of those guys were thousand yard backs last year but maybe this upcoming year those could be three that take over 1,000 yard status for their teams as uh, maybe Arkansas takes a step forward Florida maybe takes a step forward and in in terms of um, you have to respect the quarterback now you at least can't put eight in the box against them and then uh, Kylan Hill maybe the maybe things move forward for them there at Mississippi State as well with a, a quarterback who can maybe throw the ball
0: yeah um, I, I completely agree with those. And and so this is just a little taste of what's to come now. Um this week, like I said, we are gonna go through the entire SEC. This is the last Power Five conference. Next week, uh what we have planned is we're gonna go through the group of five. We'll explain kind of how we're gonna do that next week. Um but dude, we I mean we're we're under ten weeks away from the next season. Let's get it. Let's get it. All right, Spencer. First team, the Florida freaking Mullins. I'm sorry, Florida Gators. All right. What is your question?
1: Yeah, so going right there to uh, Felipe Franks, who we just got done talking about it, or at least hinting at just a second ago, how much difference is there between the expected leap in progression for Felipe Franks versus – the realistic leap that he could take. He took a huge step forward in year one under Mullen. In year two under Mullen, what might the, I mean, is there, there sounds like there might be a big difference in what's expected and what might be realistic for Felipe Franks going into this season. How much, how much difference is there between what's expected and what's realistic?
0: I think that's a really good question. And I think it's a fair question. Um, look, I, you and I have talked a lot about this off the air. Um, my, my question is just about Florida in general. Okay. Is Dan Mullen, I'm sorry. Will Dan Mullen show the entire sec show the, the college football world that he really is this developmental guru that everyone says he is. Now, this is not me doubting him. This is this is just a question: Will he show that this year? Because yes, he was competitive at, at Mich- uh, Mississippi State and and it was dang impressive. But then you had situations with like, and you had Dak Prescott, who you know went on. He's playing for the Cowboys now, and everyone leans on that, leans on Tim Tebow for his pedigree of being this quarterback guru. But then we look at. Nick Fitzgerald, who, who scored and ran for a lot of yards, scored quite a bit of touchdowns, but anytime he came up against a defense, like he, he kind of crumbled, he couldn't throw the ball. And, and look, we know Phil, Felipe Franks can throw the ball, but can, can Dan Mullen really develop the way that he's been hyperbolized to be able to, you know, like it, it kind of goes back to your question about Felipe Franks. Is there a step forward for Coach Mullen that can prove either the hyperbolist right or the on the other end of the spectrum, prove the doubters wrong? Does that make sense?
1: It does, and I and I think the answer is going to be yes because he's going to be developing players that are that are further along when he gets them. If that makes sense, so mm-hmm. he's he's going to be growing players. You know, I don't recall Nick Fitzgerald being a highly recruited player uh, out of the state of Georgia, and you can correct me if I'm wrong there, but the fact that he wasn't a a great passer in college maybe was something that was there in high school, and so he kind of, because he can run Fitzgerald, he kind of falls to Mississippi State because he's one of a three or a two-star, whatever it is, and so Dan brings him in and really utilizes what he does well. Well, now at the University of Florida, we can get Felipe Franks, and we can get other quarterbacks like that who can throw. It, we know that they're a complete package. They have some mobility. So I think we may. I think the answer is going to be yes, and we may even see it uh, shine a little bit more because he's going to be taking high four stars and turning them into five and six stars, even though six doesn't exist. But you get what I mean.
0: Yeah, I mean, I would say this, though. In a world where Texas A&M, Bama, and Georgia, and I mean arguably some of these, and LSU recruit at such an elite level, the fact that he still is not able to get these elite recruits is going to eventually hurt him. But that's for another conversation at a well, later no, and, time.
1: But but it's also fair. I mean, that's a fair I, like, part I, I, of what I, I'm and,
0: talking and, about. That's fair. Yeah, and and, and look, we the next team is the Georgia Bulldogs, and and so I'm going to be fair. So don't worry people who think that I just hate on Florida. Like, I have questions across the board for every team in the SEC, including the, you know, the unbeatable golden child of Alabama. Um, Georgia right, well, Bulldogs. Yeah, Go let's ahead.
1: move on to the, to the bird dogs, as some folks like to call them here in the, in the South. What, uh, what do you got on deck for the red and black?
0: All right. My question for the Georgia Bulldogs is who is going to catch the ball for Jake
1: Fromm? <laughs> Yeah. At at this point. Yeah. uh. I I mean,
0: look, I mean, look, I I can give you, I can give you names. I can get, I can, I can go down the list of players that we've recruited over the last two years specifically. I mean, he has really been hard um, pressed. Kirby has been really hard pressed the last two years on wide receivers. So I know there's young talent, but who is going to step up and be the wide receiver for this team this year because, and and who's going to be the tight end also. So that's my, that's my question.
1: Yeah, and it, and there's really no answer. You just have to wait for the season for for that one to come around. Is there any outcome to this season that would that would be considered a success without including a national championship? I've heard this kind of knocked around at at some point, and I think it was on uh, Paul Feinbaum's show. That, if Georgia were to beat Alabama this year in the s e c championship game and kind of get over that hurdle against alabama that that would make this season a success even if they didn't go on to win the national championship how do you How do you feel about Georgia having a successful twenty nineteen that doesn't include a national championship <sighs> i I kind
0: of just think we have to at least get in the playoff. Like I, I think a play, I think anything short of the playoff is is an unsuccessful year. Pending injury.
1: Right. And and, and most likely you win the SEC, then you most yeah. likely get into the uh to the to the playoffs.
0: Just and, and look, if if this and this is not I I firmly believe this is not bias. This is Georgia two times now being essentially one play away from winning a national championship and then um, like one series away from winning the sec and playing in the, in the playoff again. I, I think Georgia has just been sniffing it so close. They've been so close and re- Kirby has continued to recruit at an absolute asinine level. And I mean that in a good way, like, and with Jake from coming back as a junior with the offensive line being as deadly, running backs galore, defense going to be young, nasty. Like, you kind of have to ex- – like, this is kind of on Kirby. Like, Kirby has done this to himself because he succeeded so early. And I am – let me – I have to say this, and then we, we'll move on because I, I we can't be here for two hours. I've got a, I got a baby to put to bed. The comparisons to Kirby Smart and Mart Rick, and saying they're the exact same because you want to compare that, hey, these are their records, this is what they've accomplished, this is the SEC titles, this is the whatever you want to say. It's so stupid because no two records are the same, no two coaching situations are the same, and no two climates in college football from year to year is the same. And so to for, for those out there who wants to say, and specifically it's Florida fans and Tennessee fans and Auburn fans who – I love you. I love your passion, but you can go jump off a cliff into a river. Um they're not the same. They're just not. And th- th- it's like Please it's
1: no one go commit uh, into a river. Atrocious. I said into a
0: river. There's obviously okay, very, water under you. You're not gonna river. die. A very uh, deep yes. a very deep river of twelve inches. Okay? <laughs> very very deep river, twelve inches. No, I, I just I really just hate that gif and that meme that goes across that it's all over on on the on the webs of just comparing the two and saying how they're so similar. No, they're not. They're just they're, they're just not similar at all. If you look at what the team has accomplished in the climate in which they accomplished it, it's nowhere near the same. So anyway, those are our can, questions for. Go ahead,
1: Kentucky. Do you, would you like? Yeah. Are you oh, okay.
0: Yeah, dude, I love Have Kentucky. You come back down to earth now. Yeah, I'm just frustrated that I, I hate that so much.
1: Now, um, can I ask my question first? Yeah, it's your turn. Who the Snell takes over for Benny and Josh? <laughs> uh, dear heavens alive. I wouldn't have had you. I wouldn't, have, you have you not oh. put that in your question? You have to have who the Snell or what the Snell. That's got to be in your question, is it not? No, it's not. Because oh, my I'm not, gosh. I'm not a 57-year-old dad. Who? What are you talking about? That was the whole Kentucky uh, war cry last year was and, and Snell, hated, yeah. And I hated it. That's okay you can hate it but that was that's not me being a 57 year old man that was a this kid has it tattooed over his stomach or on his chest or something snail yeah that was a that was the rally cry <laughs> for that whole university last year <laughs> and it fits too who's going to take over for Benny and Josh? Benny obviously the 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 heart and soul of that team, uh, not only that but one of the greatest Kentucky players of all time, certainly one of the best rushing uh running backs of all time, and then Josh Allen on the defensive side of things as well. Who I mean that's a realistic question outside of being the the silliness there. Who takes over for Benny? Who takes over for Josh? This Kentucky team's kind of uh, they almost may be spinning their heads right now for leadership and heart and passion. Hopefully Benny's has spilled over to somebody who can carry it on.
0: Yeah, I'm okay. That that is a really good question. It's a fair question because if you saw when Benny Snell was hurt, he got hurt in some game and they just looked abysmal Like they Mm -hmm. didn't even look competitive. Um, It may have been the Tennessee game. I can't remember. Anyway, my question revolves around Terry Wilson. Can Terry Wilson throw the ball to win the game? Because I don't, and I don't want to hear about the Florida game. Don't like outside of that one big throw. Like he sucked that game, and I say that respectively. And, and like Terry Wilson last year threw for eighteen hundred yards. He threw for only eleven touchdowns, and he threw for eight interceptions. Like that, that is not good. Well, that's, yeah, that's, yeah,
1: lot, lots of dink and dunk outside of a couple of uh, nice throws down the field. Uh, only threw it 268 times, though. So do they give him more? Do they give him a better opportunity? Because, of course, Benny carries it as much as he does last year. So maybe a a, a different opportunity, uh, an offseason that's kind of dedicated a little bit more towards him. Maybe that turns things around, but it's definitely a uh, – a very important thing to keep an eye on for, uh, for the bluegrass nation.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, look, I, I think Kentucky's about to fall down from earth a little bit from last year, respectfully. So how much they've lost. Um, but I, I want Terry Wilson to do well, man. And, and so I, I hope he, I hope he can learn to throw the ball better because last year was just not ideal. Uh, the next is the Missouri tigers. All right. Here's my question. Can, um, I hear my son in the background. Sorry. Can Kelly Bryant prove to the world that he deserved to be Clemson's starting quarterback at one point in time?
1: Well, and I would, I would counter that. How does he prove that? Because that's, that goes into my question. Why Missouri, Kelly? Because the, to me, the gauntlet was thrown down in terms of Dabo Sweeney let you go in favor of Trevor Lawrence because he believed – I don't think he said this out loud, and correct me if I'm wrong, but he believed Trevor Lawrence was the guy to get over the hump against Alabama, and he certainly proved right with the big win for Clemson for the national championship. And so he he takes you off the roster, or he he takes you out of the starting spot because he believes the other guy – can beat Alabama. You go to Missouri. When places like Oklahoma, you had the you had the leg up on everybody. You could you had your pick of the litter, or at least should have, to go to Oklahoma, to go to Auburn, who who went after you pretty heavy, uh, to go to some one of these other places where maybe you could prove yourself not only against Alabama themselves, but prove themselves to the country, prove yourself in the playoff. And ultimately against an Alabama or a Clemson, wouldn't that be special to go to Auburn and to get the chance to play Clemson or Oklahoma, whatever it is. Point being is, just like what you're talking about, why, why Missouri where this – Getting on that center stage is so much more difficult than maybe it would have been at an Ohio State. Again, you had the leg up on, on on Fields, you had the leg up on Hertz, you had the leg up on uh on the Auburn job as well if you wanted to go there. In turn in those terms, because I know he chose Missouri for his own reasons and more power to him, go to where you're comfortable to go. But just in the storyline part of this, why in the world did you choose Missouri?
0: Yeah. I mean, because also Derek Dooley did not do, like, it's it's not like he made Drew Locke look better last year. Like, I, I never understood. I, I never understood the, the hire of Derek Dooley. And, you know, look, Drew Locke put up some numbers last year. He, he, he was fine, but he did not look like himself from the year prior um, at, at times in big games. But, like, my argument for Kelly Bryant is this. Kelly Bryant took his team to a playoff. Like they made the playoff with him as the with with him as the quarterback last year. I don't believe. Like I believe they went. They won that game against Texas A and M because of Kelly Bryant. Yeah, he definitely
1: deserves a national championship ring. I think.
0: Yeah. Yes. Yes. That's that's a great that's a great point, Spencer. Like he because he was on the team that helped them get over the biggest hurdle they had that year last year. Sons the Syracuse game because just weird things happen in that game for some reason. But I, I just I look at Kelly Bryant and I don't see a kid who like sucked and a freshman came in and beat him. I see a quarterback who was really good. And unfortunately, a generational talent came in and took the spot from him. Does that make sense? Like, yes, because I think there is a distinction there. I think I think those two things to can, can can equally be accurate. Both are good. Just like with Justin Fields and Jacob Eason, both Jacob Eason and J- and Justin Fields can be very good quarterbacks, but they just were not better than Jake Fromm, you know. Sure. And so, and so, okay, I think we're on the same page. Sweet, we, we are. Um, next is the South Carolina Game Caps. Well, old ball coach. Um, that that's a was that team. your
1: Steve? Was that that's your Steve impersonation? A, well, uh, he, he always does that. Well, could have won, but didn't. No, I- I, I know what you mean. I, I'm just, I'm clarifying for everybody yeah, listening that yeah, that's your, it's bad. That's, but that's your Steve. That's how okay.
0: He sounds, that's how he sounds to me. Well, all time. right.
1: Um, Thank you for that. We'll, uh, we'll welcome. all rest, rest well at, uh, on our pillows tonight.
0: Thank you, jerk. Um, my question is this, when will Ryan Holinsky start? For the South Carolina
1: Gamecocks, <laughs> I I toyed with that very question. <laughs> Jake Bentley threw a hundred interceptions last year. Uh, it's super inconsistent. Uh, that question could be answered. I want to get their schedule. in Week three, in front of me.
0: bro. Week three, like they play North Carolina week one, which is going to be a good game. But week three, they play Bama. Like
1: you they- think you could get the you think you could get the opportunity second half against Bama.
0: Yeah, if they're getting slaughtered, if they're getting slaughtered like forty-two nothing, sure. Why not? Like I, I see what you mean. I just, I look. I, I was a huge Jake Bentley fan two years ago, and like, and that's coming from a rival of South Carolina. But I, I liked, I liked his gunsling, gunslinger mentality. I liked the way he played. But and you know, you kind of saw him and Drew Locke as these two competing quarterbacks in, in the SEC, as far as like who was more elite. And it obviously became like it became clear who was more elite last last year. Jake Bentley, like you said, threw he threw he threw fourteen interceptions last year. Like he and he threw twenty seven touchdowns. That's that's almost like a one to one like not one to one but like two to one ratio of t- of touchdowns to interception. Like that's not good. Um, and then, and then also he loses he loses his three. No, he returns three big names, uh, wide receiver, but he loses Debo Samuel. Like I, I, I'm just not a fan of Jake Bentley anymore. And I think Ryan Helinski, um, And if I'm not mistaken, this is the Ryan Helensky who was brothers of the Washington State quarterback who uh, who committed suicide. Um, Correct. Just that really sad, but side story. Okay, that's what I got for South Carolina.
1: Could seven wins be considered a success in 2019 considering Jake Bentley and considering that they have, according to Phil Still, the number one toughest schedule in the entire country?
0: Dude, I see two guaranteed wins here.
1: So seven wins would be very much a success this year then. (laughs) Dude,
0: uh, yeah, seven wins, I think. If if they get seven wins, Will Muschamp should be offered every every freaking coaching job in the country. That's exaggeration, but I'm just saying, like, good God. Because I don't think Appalachian State's a guarantee.
1: No, I agree.
0: Like, I think the only two, the only, he, okay, three. Three gar- possibly guaranteed wins. Charleston Southern, Kentucky, and Vandy. That's it. Everything else is going to be a dogfight from the beginning to
1: end. And they go well, to I think they, get, I think they have a chance against Missouri. And they have a chance against, uh, did you say North Carolina? I'm sorry. Uh, I don't I know.
0: I don't know what North Carolina is. So, yeah, that's fair. But but like they're playing at Missouri, at Georgia, at Tennessee, at Texas A&M. Like, if that Missouri game's at, you know, in Charleston, like, that's a, that's a different that's a different mentality for me but since they're going to missouri god man south carolina south carolina may end up being the nebraska of last year like they may have some talent that no one gets to see because they're just getting bombarded by the worst schedule in the country or yeah or they could end up being like they could be like a notre dame situation and they get a really tough schedule that ends up not being nearly as hard as it was expected to be, and they make a run, you know?
1: <laughs> make a run to the seven wins.
0: Yeah, 100%. <laughs> All right, uh, did we get both our questions? We did. Okay. Uh, next is the University of Tennessee Volunteers. Here's my – or your your question's first, sorry.
1: Okay, yeah, that's fine. Why – would anyone in their right mind wear that disgusting shade of orange? <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's not my real that's not my real question. That's, I'm just kidding. Can they fix the O-line so Chaney can use what they do have on offense? I think you and I are both on the same page that Chaney had a lot to work with at the University of Georgia and maybe some of his other stops. Don't completely reflect what he did at Georgia, because maybe the talent that was there for him uh, with the Bulldogs. And and Can I, I give some I,
0: stats for him real quick.
1: Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Because you you
0: you know the stats I'm going to say. Um, he has been an offensive coordinator for what, uh, r- roughly? I think for a like, long time. For like twelve plus
1: years. He worked with Drew Brees, if I remember correctly, at Purdue. Yes,
0: yes, worked with Drew Brees. Um, God, they just keep hanging on that too. Um, every time they talk about him. Here, okay. Here's the thing, though. Only three times his entire career has he had an offense hot high, ranked higher than fifty. Okay, three times. Once was at the University of Tennessee uh, when when he had the nineteenth best. Um, and that was the the. Oh my gosh. Uh, what's that? Uh, why am I why am I blanking? Butch Jones, Butch Jones' team with um, the Tennessee team that was supposed to beat everybody and they end up just not being very good. Yeah. Um, you, you know what I'm talking about? And I Correct. I, don't, yep. I don't know why I can't think of it right now. But that, right. Was, that was one time and the other two times was these past two years at the University of Georgia where he was ranked top five in, or five to seven depending on what metric you're looking at in offense. So that being said, he has to have elite talent to to get elite production, and I'm sorry, no offense to you, uh, Tennessee, but right now I don't see uh, you having elite talent at this very moment, and so I don't think Jim Cheney is worth that two million dollars. But m- go on, because I think that's where you're getting at. But go on, Spencer.
1: Well, and and it, right, so there's not the elite talent, and that m- might not even be great talent. It's. Good talent. They've got pieces in places. They're going to ask two offensive linemen, two freshman offensive linemen to play this year. They're going to try to put another, uh, what might be the best player on the team, uh, Trey Smith. They're going to try to put him in the right spot on the offensive line. Let's all keep our fingers crossed. He can stay healthy. And if they can get the offensive line working with those two five stars, uh, maybe one a four star, according to certain uh, outlets and then get Trey Smith in the right spot. Does that do enough to solidify the offensive line? Garrett Tano only threw three interceptions last year. Is that something that uh, that Cheney can work with? The wide receivers seem to look good getting off the bus, and I think they've even you know it's it's said that they have talent as well. So can they fix the offensive line enough for him to utilize the talent that they do have? Uh, there at Tennessee and maybe really kind of press some teams a little better than they did last year because they had a couple of losses, several losses, where it just was 25 points or more. Yeah, Garantano, I mean, his
0: stats may not show it, but I felt like he got better as the year went on.
1: Yes, yes, yes.
0: I thought thought he was fairly competent in his last three or four games.
1: Yeah, he gave Vanderbilt a run for them. I mean, he gave – he gave Tennessee everything he had in that Vanderbilt game to try to to try to get that victory at the end of the year. That certainly would have put a nice uh, would have put some sort of nice spin on the end of the year for Tennessee last year and they just missed out on it.
0: All right, my question is this will Will Tennessee's big big money that they've spent on the this coaching staff will it equate to big wins?
1: Um, yeah, that's true. And the answer is probably no.
0: Dude, they, they just spent so much money. Uh, like, I mean, J- I think Jim Cheney is like the, the highest paid offense coordinator in the country. If he's not one, he's definitely two. And you just look at their schedule this year. Like, it starts off really – it starts off easy with their first two of the three games, and then it's just an onslaught, man. Like, God. so yeah, just will, will this, will this so-called, you know, big money that they've spent on these coaches, will it, um, will it equate to big wins eventually?
1: That's Probably not this year, but in, in years to come, maybe when they yeah. do. Cause I mean, Pruitt, it, there's no, there's no doubt about it. Pruitt's doing the right thing recruiting wise. Cheney's not, Chaney seemed to hold his own at Georgia recruiting. So at least held his own. So I think, in the future yeah the money might pay off but if you're asking for an immediate return on investment then you're you're probably not going to get that.
0: Yeah. I agree. All right. Next is the Vanderbilt Commodores. I cannot wait till we do the breakdown of the conferences and get to Vanderbilt cuz I just think they're so fun and interesting to talk about for next year. Um okay, my question is this. Who is going to take Kyle Shermer's spot because right now you're looking at, you're, you're looking at possibly Riley Neal or Deuce Wallace. Um, And I think there's one other one. I think there's a recruit coming in. Oh my gosh. I can't remember who it is. Um, There's one other, there's one other one and I can't remember his name at the moment, but who, who is going to replace Kyle Shermer
1: this year? Uh, Muhammad, maybe the last name of the quarterback that you're thinking about. Maybe but sound right. Yeah, that I think that's
0: right. You, I know, I think you have Phil Steele's book in front of you, don't you?
1: Well, I've got, I've got both the Athlon and the Phil Steele book in front. Of I, me. I don't have. I'm trying I don't to have slip the, in front of both of them, and it's wrecking my concentration.
0: It's okay. I don't, I don't have Phil Stills in front of me right now. All I have is the Athlon, and it. I can't get a depth chart, or a full depth chart. So, but and off the top of my head, I, I knew or Riley Neal. I, I just couldn't remember Deuce Wallace, and I know there's one other one, but, but essentially, it just means. My question still remains, who is going to replace Kyle Shermer
1: this year? Yeah, and I I think that question is Riley Neal, who comes over from Ball State and has a bunch of nice numbers. I think he's – I don't even want to quote what numbers he's got, but he had nice numbers at Ball State. He should be able to just kind of slide in to be the replacement for Shermer. But, you know, it's it's New Year. It's obviously SEC competition. We've certainly seen – quarterbacks come out of uh come from outside the SEC and into uh this conference and not necessarily play super well. They might have not have been badness uh all that bad, but they weren't great either. So we'll see. But I think Riley Neal is the answer to your question. I hope so. What's your question? Where is Mason's defense at? <laughs> because they lose
0: everybody they lost everybody last year. Yeah.
1: So they did well. He got there in 14, and they did well in 15 with 21 points allowed. And then they did okay in 16 with 24 points allowed, but had 408 yards in total defense. They were there a little bit, uh, and then they've dropped off the last two years. 31 points a game in 2017, 26 points a game in 2017, uh, this past year, but 439 yards um, of total defense uh, allowed. And then uh, the five yards per carry the last two years, the 4.7 yards per carry in 2016. This is – I'd like to think that this is a, a Derek Mason team that can get towards much more of that 2015 form. And I'm just kind of expecting – 2015 form to have already returned because i know you got to build recruits and you got to have to stack some classes on top of one another because it is vanderbilt it's hard to expect 21 points a game every year but i thought we would have seen the next big year from him already and and we haven't
0: yeah i think i i think losing like Kyle Shermer ended up like he did really well but they, for some reason, couldn't put good quality talent around him consistently, and I feel like that was a detriment to to Kyle Schirmer Even you know, at the end of the day, uh, my question about Vanderbilt is: How much longer will Derek Mason have a job? And and it it, go, it goes back to exactly what you're talking about. Like, do are they okay just being this five to seven win team every year? Or do they want it with, and it seems like that's what they're going to be with Mason or do they want, are they going to move forward eventually to get a, to possibly go after a bigger time coach? And, but I don't know who that bigger time coach is because I don't know who wants to go to Vanderbilt because, and people don't realize this, but Vanderbilt being the type of school it is, it kind of has higher expectations, you know, requirements. And so I'm, I'm very curious to see how much longer Derek Mason can be there because he's been there five years and he doesn't have a winning record. What his best year was 2015, right? That was the best record he had.
1: Uh, no, I believe 16. 16? Okay, was that? Yeah. So I mean, it was only six wins though. I mean, it was just like yeah. last year. Yeah, and that's. Yeah, and
0: so that that just brings my that's just sticks to my question. So.
1: Yeah, okay. absolutely. I think you asked two questions there for Vanderbilt. Who was, re- who was replacing Shermer oh, and, and Derek my Mason? No, that's I, all right. That's okay. That. You have a backup question. There's no problem with that.
0: All right. My question is, next is the Alabama Crimson Tide.
1: What you got? Lay it on me. How do I put this? I hope you wrote it down. I, I did, but put I... Put it I, how you wrote it down. <laughs> or not.
0: How... How long until the coaching turnover really hurts Alabama? And what I mean by that, I don't mean losing a national championship. I, I was about to say because that—that's that, that's that's,
1: where, where most people point to is last year's championship,
0: or in the 2016 championship, or whatever year it was. Um, Sixteen, seventeen, whatever year they got that they, they lost to. Um, they, they uh what's his name? When the offense coordinator left and Sark came in and called the place for the game. And they lost the game.
1: Oh, uh, you're talking about uh, Lane 16, Kiffin? Co- yeah, 2016,
0: 2017, whatever. But my my when will the when will the coaching turnover m- hurt them? And what I mean by that is they don't even make they don't even make the SEC championship. They're the, and they're not really in the running for it in the last week of the season. That's kind of what I mean.
1: You think like, that's going to happen this year?
0: Look, man, I, I'm gonna go and tell you. I, I think Texas oh. A&M beats them. Like I, I, I think Texas a m beats them. I don't see why LSU can't. I don't see why Mississippi State can't be competitive. I don't see why South Carolina may be
1: competitive. I don't know. Like, so you back on this again? You, you're right. back on this again because there was a little, there was a couple of years there where Robo was like. It's happening. This is the year, not the year that Alabama turns into a toilet bowl. But yeah, that here I'm comes not, the season. Alabama is about to take the, the several steps back, and you you took you came off of it for a while, and now you're back. Now now we're we're back with this again. Understood? I just I just don't I don't know how. First of all, I don't believe in Sarkisian,
0: so like that that is all, all like automatically right out the gate. I'm worried about their offense. I'm not worried about Tua. Tua is great unless he gets hurt again. Then we have issues.
1: Well, Matt, I would I would say that's the the bigger concern is Tua, not not Sark. Yeah, Sark Mike. I mean Sark is at least given admirable numbers overall when he was in Atlanta. At least the second year when he was in Atlanta yeah, for their coordinator job. jobs. It's, it's easy to do that whenever like it's easy to do that Whenever you have elite talent everywhere, but yeah. he still,
0: but he, but he still couldn't because Alabama doesn't have elite talent. But he still couldn't get in the end zone with elite talent. Like okay. I mean, he, like okay. he still, like he still had trouble getting in the end zone. You know, enough with, with with Julio Jones and Devontae Freeman. But like, look, they tr- they return everybody in the in the essentially everybody in the wide receiving core. They have studs at running back. They have, they'll have dudes on defense and offensive line. There's nothing that should tell me talent wise that they're going to take a step back, but. You just, you just cannot continue to lose between six to nine, like it's like five to nine, actually five to nine coaches every single year,
1: and it not eventually catch up to you. I I, I feel the same way as you do that. Yes, that has to catch up to them at some point, but it always seems like at least up to this point that the failsafe is the head man in the straw hat. I mean and also
0: this is an odd year, odd number year. So if you, if so if I remember correctly, odd number years, Auburn's going to make a run. Cuz cuz that's just <laughs> what
1: they cause that's just, that's just what they do. Yes, that that is that's how they operate down on the plains. All right, so um you ready for my question? Yeah man, go ahead. When was the last time the Alabama program felt this sort of urge to prove themselves. You know, it's been, a, it's been a long time, and I think it goes back to, I think I had it the other day, but it was the, it was the time that they lost to Ohio State by 14 in the, in the championship game, Cordell Jones and the backup quarterback. I think that was the time, and I can't capture the year 14. Thank you. Um, that feels like that's the answer but that also feels like that was eons ago i don't know why but it feels like it was so long ago that this this program it's been a long time since they've had this kind of urge to prove themselves because they didn't they didn't just get beat by 14 and kind of had some competitive moments and this guy from out of nowhere kind of surprised everybody this was this was a stomping and your star didn't play well and you got your butts whooped and you, I mean, the brakes didn't go your way. You had players falling down and it was just anything that could have went wrong, went wrong. And Clemson absolutely took every single advantage of it and pounded them into the dirt. If that's not, if that's not a chip on Nick Saban's shoulder, I don't know what is. He's, he he won't have to motivate or kind of recreate that chip in any sort of way. The, this team is – the chip is there, I guess, is the best way to say it. And, that, and that's fair. I mean, you just – That doesn't – and, and I'll say this. That doesn't mean that it's going to turn into wins because I certainly agree with you. At some point – I'm not betting on it, but at some point – those those coaching changes do have to catch up to them, and I'll be I'll be happy to lose the money betting on Alabama, and then and then I can say, well, I guess it caught up to them. I'm not going to try to predict it, but I agree that it's it at some point it will. It has to. Yeah, because uh, if, like, if any of that made sense, no, no, it does.
0: I I just I just look at Texas A and M the being on the rise. Look at well, LSU would you like to jump
1: rise. to Texas A and M real quick because I have no. no question for them locked and loaded. No no, 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 no. We'll get to them in a minute. Locked I, and loaded. Okay. All right. The next
0: team is the Arkansas Razorbacks. My question my question is
1: as follows. Can Chad Morris get to four wins this year? Ooh, we are almost dead on with our questions. With a roster overhaul, can they win three SEC games? Oh, yeah. Okay. Would you like to guess at the three SEC games that I'm I'm uh, monitoring for their uh, chance to win? Jesus, I'm looking at their schedule: uh, Ole Miss, Kentucky,
0: Whoa. and Mississippi State.
1: Say that one more time: Ole Miss, Kentucky, Mississippi State. Yes. No, 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 no. Not Mississippi State, Missouri. Missouri. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to say, I'm going to say your answer
0: and to answer your question is a negative.
1: <laughs> Do you like, you, you, you like Missouri a little bit more, don't you? I keep, I kind of keep forgetting about the Kelly Bryant factor for whatever reason. I guess I'm not as overwhelmed by that. Well, no.
0: I mean, look, I, I think, I think Missouri lost some, some dudes on, on the, on, on the outside for wide receiver that's going to hurt them. And again, I, I don't believe in Derek Dooley. Um, but, I just don't see how Arkansas I mean they're only returning 11 players from last year from a team that only won 2 games. So and like yeah, dude, sure. Dude, they lost to North Texas. Like they got the they got their just like they
1: got stomped by North Texas. And they lost to Colorado State. Yeah, and wasn't the North Texas the game, the one where they faked the punt and returned it for the touchdown or something like that? Like yeah. North Texas pretended yeah. that they fair caught it or something and like, it was Like North Texas treated them like they were a peewee football team. Man. That's a tough pill to swallow. That's a that's a chip on the shoulder though. That's Dude, a chip on the lo- shoulder.
0: <laughs> they lost worse to North Texas. They lost them worse than they lost to Holy crap! Then they lost to Ole Miss. Then they lost to Vandy. Then they lost to LSU.
1: Yeah, they played LSU pretty tight last year, didn't they? <laughs> oh, we lost all of our Arkansas listenership, if, it, yeah. if we had any. I'm sorry it's it's not funny, but it is. Sorry. Well, you have to laugh to keep from uh, crying. <laughs> yeah, I mean. And I like Chad Morris. I don't have any. I don't even. I don't. I don't no, have it, anything negative and It sounds I mean. like he's he's got a vision for what he's yeah. trying to do. He's got a plan for what he's trying yeah. to do. He he just oh ho, ho, talk
0: why? Because I, I think they just got a big recruit this week. Talk though. Keep talking. Uh, yeah,
1: me. his son wasn't it? Isn't it, Isn't it the oh, his oh, son? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His Which, uh, son. His quarterback son. Yeah. Yeah. His last name is Morris. I know that.
0: Yeah. You, no, you're right. It, it was his son. Okay. All right. Next is the Auburn Tigers,
1: or the uh, Auburn War Eagles, or the Toilet Paper Kids, or whatever their nickname is over there. I don't mind losing Auburn listenership if you haven't noticed. Yeah,
0: but <laughs> I'm just kidding. yeah. The only the only the only team I dislike the teams that Georgia, that Georgia plays is Auburn. Um, uh, okay. My question is as follows. How many, games, how many games can their elite defensive line win them when their offense is struggling?
1: Very good. Very good. Again, we're both two, two minds uh, or great minds think alike. Is Auburn going to continue to be a defensive-led team? Because the last few years, last three years, it's been uh, holding teams under twenty points a game, and the offense has not necessarily been awful. But thirty-one, thirty-three, and thirty points a game, averaging in the SEC, especially right now with the way uh, the way your 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 biggest rival plays, uh, Alabama, is just not going to be enough. Um, so I agree that to answer the question though. Um, well, I can't even put a number on it, but I mean. One, two, three, four, Dude, five, they, maybe five, five like or six. One, like one to six of their defensive linemen are dudes. Right. So, I mean, is six, maybe seven? I'm, I'm thinking possibly the Oregon game, but, okay, leave that one out. Tulane, Kent State, and Sanford, definitely. Arkansas, yes. Mississippi, there's five. Mississippi State. Is that six? Is I mean, Oregon seven? I think Oregon beats them. Okay, that's fair. I
0: I'm big on Oregon this year. So though. so um,
1: one to six is or at least maybe five to six is, is the right number then. Yeah.
0: I think I think their schedule hurts them a little bit because they do have a tougher schedule. You know, yeah, they
1: got to go to Texas AM, to Florida, to LSU, and Georgia and Alabama. They do get those at home, but Still, nonetheless, the state, the the month of November, Georgia and Alabama not going to be easy. And then Sanford did give a bad uh, FSU team a run for their money last year, so maybe well, I mean that,
0: that's because of uh, their coach. Heck yeah, baby! They're, blazer, they're, blazer. They know exactly what they're doing over there. Absolutely do the Hatch attack, baby, Chris, Chris Hatcher. What's up, boy? Hey, Chris I, Hatcher, won't you come be on our show, bro?
1: Well, you know, we'll, we we set up a phone call, I think, at some point. We can three we can three way.
0: (laughs) All right. All right. Um, That's Auburn Tigers. Next is the LSU Tigers. Okay. Mm,
1: The real Tigers of the conference.
0: Yeah. The the big dogs, the big boys, the overachieving LSU Tigers. Uh, Go ahead with your question. Good, sir.
1: Can Joe Burrow, this is interesting. Speaking of Auburn, can Joe Burrow take the step forward that Jarrett Stidham was unable to do. You go and look at both of those quarterbacks and their first years, their first years coming into the SEC from outside, were almost very were very similar. Uh, there were some spots where it's a little different, but very similar touchdowns to interceptions. Jarrett Stidham did not take the step forward this past year, like maybe many thought he might be able to do. Uh, Joe Burrow had an interesting year last year in terms of doing what felt like all of the right things, except it was only like 57% completion percentage. So it wasn't great until he really, really had to be. And then, and then they went off and did some really good things. So I'd like to know, can Joe Burrow take a step forward and kind of do what Felipe Franks did sort of, and just be maybe not those numbers, but, can you just be a competent quarterback? Can they rely on you? Can they lean on you to help win games, not just at the most crucial moment, but just consistently throughout an individual game?
0: Yeah. No, that's, that's good. I was really impressed with Jer Burrow in the UCF game last year. Sure. Um, you know They
1: got punched in the mouth early. And, and he literally got punched in the mouth early. And Remember that he got that he took yeah, that blindside oh, yeah. block.
0: Oh, oh yeah, and, you, and have you heard the record? Like, have you heard him the audio of that?
1: No, I haven't.
0: Like he sounds, <laughs> he sounds like a cartoon character that just got crunched by a rock. Oh man, um, w- Wiley Coyote.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: All right. My question is this: as oh, I yawn.
1: You sneezed last week, and I had to rummage through the audio to find that. Now you're yawning, and I've got to rummage through the audio to find that. Thank goodness. Here, I'll get it.
0: Write write this down. It happened at, at least on the Skype recording, 103, 103 103-ish. Can you look at your— I am. I'm looking at the recording. It says— Audacity recording? I don't have Audacity recording.
1: Oh, okay. Very good.
0: Um, My question is this. Is Ed Orgeron going to be in the running for the SEC championship this year?
1: If your if your theory about Alabama is correct, yes, I I see LSU capitalizing on that before I see Texas A and M capitalizing. Oh my gosh! Well, we are definitely on two different pages. Um, I, I mean, wait. LSU's shown me that they're that they're right there. I mean, they had some boneheaded moments last year, but they had some really good ones last year as well and and Joe Burrow's shown me you know, he's at least capable. How awesome would it be if November
0: 30th is everyone's not watching the Auburn Alabama game to see who's going to the title game, but it's actually Texas A&M LSU. Like that that would be yeah. so awesome. Um, that, would be, that would be cool. But but for me, I'm just I'm of the belief that LSU continues to get better. I still don't know if Joe Burrow can throw his way into winning in a tight defensive game because um, I do not count last year's Texas A&M game as a tight defensive game. That you both scored seventy points—that's not defensive. Um, Are you sure? Yeah, I'm quite quite sure. Um, <laughs> but but my question is around Ed Orgeron. I like the guy. I, I think he gets a bad rap. Like. You know, because the way he talks, which is awesome. Like, I I love I love how he talks. But just can they can they go to the SEC championship this year? Like, can they get there? Because it's his third year. Because it's technically his third three plus years because he took over uh, three years ago when Les Miles got fired. So you know he's been there a
1: while. So yeah, so I've got it going into his fourth year. Would that be correct? Yeah, roughly. Okay eighth overall
0: yep all right that's that's those are lsu questions um and then next is um old miss rebels <laughs> Ole miss rebels okay is matt corral the truth like if if people don't know the history of matt corral matt corral was a florida commit he was bound to go to Florida, and then they hired – They hi, Florida hired Dan Mullen last year, and he realized – either Dan Mullen realized and pulled the pulled the scholarship, or Matt Corral realized he wasn't going to get to play in that system very well, and so he hightails it to Ole Miss and plays for Matt Luke. Matt Luke is probably one of the safest – like, I, I remember everyone saying, like, this was the safest hire they can make after everything that went down with Ole Miss – so the question – is, and, but a lot of people are high on Matt Corral coming into this year. So my question is, is Matt Corral w- – is he worth the hype, essentially?
1: Yeah, and, and I feel like it's going to be a tough year for him to prove that because this is now the year – and, Rob, you're big in recruiting, so you, you, you get this. This makes perfect sense. Recruiting your, – your recruiting year kind of pays off two years down the line. You really see how well you did. You really start seeing the effects, good or bad, two years down the line. And we're now at the point where they're going to start seeing uh, the depth and this roster kind of be affected by the recruiting penalties that they've had. So my question is, can Matt uh, Matt Luke survive one more year? Can he do enough this year, maybe overachieve a little bit this year one more time, and kind of keep his job and and move into a a much more sturdier, stable position from a roster standpoint and depth and uh, and talent wise. Because I see this year not only with that recruiting uh, that recruiting hurdle that they're going to have to go over, or the roster hurdle, however you want to identify it, uh, they've also a new offensive coordinator, a new s- offensive system. A new mm-hmm. defensive coordinator, a new Rich defensive
0: system Rodriguez, I yeah. never thought I'd say his name again,
1: yeah, absolutely, and then they're losing talent on the on the offensive side of the ball with the with all the big wide receivers. they have depth, but it's young, so at wide receiver, they have depth at that particular position, and so it just feels like there's all these things stacking up against Matt Luke one more time, but it feels like maybe this is the this might be the last wave of difficulties there for for Ole miss and matt corral will make a big uh, a big dent and yeah. all that i mean look there there
0: were people who were saying matt corral should have been starting over tamamu um for for most of the season but the belief was is that they he 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 didn't make the move because matt corral was supposed to be this year's quarterback um i don't i don't know if sanctions are still hit on them i cannot remember how how long they have to go without being able to play in a postseason um but i guess I guess if the if the ban is lifted this season, that's the reason why they didn't play Matt Corral last year. They wanted to make sure he was healthy for this season. Um, but you're right. They only returned three players on offense, and so it's just really interesting to see what this team's going to be.
1: Fishle, Dizzle.
0: Fashizzle. Fashizzle, my dizzle. All right. Next, Mississippi State
1: Bulldogs. Which is more important to re, uh which is more important for um Joe Moorhead to replace the quarterback position or his defense? Mm. Because he's got to find a quarterback that can throw. I'm I'm not referring to Nick Fitzgerald as some sort of massive loss, but you do lose a senior. You do lose somebody who's been in the program. You do lose somebody who at least was brought a very nice um uh, element to your run game but you've also got to find a passing part of your of your offense as well. So which is more important to replace the quarterback and then finding the uh the the passing production along with the running production or is it replacing all of that superb talent on defense from the line all the way back to the secondary?
0: Okay. That's a good question, man. I like that.
1: Um well which do you think is more important? <sighs> I mean, I obviously answering I think, it off I, the top of your head, but I think defense.
0: I, okay. I think I think I think the defense is more important because That's fair because you can still to,
1: run the ball, and yeah. if you play tight defense, yeah. you can keep it you can keep and, it close, and,
0: right? And also because he's in his second year, they're they're not looking to be in the running for the SEC championship r- realistically. Like you're really just trying to continue to build, and and to build you have to compete, you know, and and to be able to compete, you need to have a tight defense. I mean, how many teams have we seen over the years? Be horrible on offense, but be elite on defense, and that keeps them in the games. I.e., Vanderbilt for a three, you know, for three years ago. You know, yeah, they only had six wins, but they they were competitive in every game they played in.
1: Well, and, and LSU as well. I mean, they've actually get wins out of the defense that they can play and the running offense that they can have, and uh, yeah, L- uh, uh, LSU's one of yeah. them.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Okay, my que- Did I already ask my question? You did not. Okay. My question is this Who, who on that defensive line is going to be the dude? They have three seniors, they have a junior. And look, they've got Chauncey Rivers, Kendall Jones, Marquis Spencer. Like, these are guys. But who on that defensive line is going to be the dude who causes all the havoc? Like, that's important to me. Like, I, because I mean, that's, I, that's how I answered your question, defense, because the defense on, on, I think, I think their defense can be elite again. But who is going to be the guy that's feared?
1: Yeah, and so would that answer maybe be Chauncey Rivers? Is that a former Georgia recruit, or I feel like I recognize the name Chauncey Rivers. Maybe that was an NFL thing, or maybe FSU had a Chauncey Rivers or something like that. But nonetheless, uh, no, I can I can understand what you mean. It's it's kind of it's almost a similar thing that you could ask to Clemson: who who's going to be the dude? after having to replace so many dudes. Yeah. Um, Maybe Alabama could spare, or uh, Auburn could spare a dude.
0: <laughs> yeah. Because they've, they've got several. They, gosh, Almighty, they most certainly could. I mean, I kind of want to retroactively ask about Georgia's defensive line, but what, whatever. Um, the, okay, so the last team the SEC, then we'll get out of here, folks. Um, and we got a tight one, 113 going on right now, so this is pretty good. Um, for te- <laughs> okay, so before I ask this question, I'm really high on Texas and m and you are not. Is that correct?
1: Yeah. Well, the, I would just ask my question first. Why? Why all the hype for the Aggies? Please, please inform me of something that I don't know, because what I looked at, I'm kind of like, well, I I don't, I don't. Let me stake my case here real quick. I, I don't really understand. <laughs> They've lost. Uh, what is this? Let's count here. Let's do our, uh, uh, what is it? Sesame Street. One, two, three, four, five, six of their top tacklers from last year uh, are gone. Their number one running back, uh, 18 or 1700 yard back, six and a half yards a carry, eight, uh, 18 touchdowns. Uh, Kellen Mond was really good at times last year, but he only completed 57% of his passes and did throw nine interceptions through 13 games. Um, I'm not saying this team's going to be awful because it looks like there's plenty of depth on defense coming back, and maybe that's is that the lynch point is what is it about this team? Because there's only four starting defenders on defense returning, seven on offense. Uh, fill in the gaps. What what am I missing?
0: I think you're keeping out the Jimbo Fisher effect and how how not good Kellen Mond was his freshman year. To how good he was his sophomore year, Fair yeah enough. he took yeah he took slump I mean yeah he, I mean he was a sophomore he threw nine interceptions but he still threw for twenty four touchdowns three fou- over three thousand yards in the SEC and he's returning three three top w- receivers yeah he loses Jay Sternberger but he's returning court, uh, Courtney Davis and Cameron Buckley like and who are just big targets. And and look, your questions on defense are fair and valid, and I, I cannot dismiss them whatsoever. But I do believe that Texas A has been a, recruiting an elite level. I, the talent has always been there, just like at FSU. Ironically, the talent is not the problem at the at FSU and Texas A It's been the coaching, and for for Jimbo Fisher to walk in and have a nine and four season be competitive in every single game that that he played in sans the Alabama game which got, kind of got out of hand late like I, I trust Jimbo Fisher the dude's got a title he's one of only like what four coaches active coaches five coaches active that have titles right now and sure. I, tr- I trust his offensive prowess I trust his quarterback development I trust his quarterback development over Dan Mullen's quarterback development oh, and i th- I'm serious okay. like what
1: like no no, wh- no, no 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 I just I, I, that's fair enough I, I just when it both both have it, Heisman winners like both okay. both
0: both I mean both have Heisman winners under their belt I mean I mean what what's the huge difference between the two and one's a head one was a head coach pr- like producing quarterback talent and the other one wasn't at the time and so I, I just I look at Kellen Mond and I think I think their season rides or dies on Kellen Mond now that is almost every team in the SEC this year that has playoff aspirations is ride or die with one quarterback. And that is like, I mean, are you not amazed at how no one's really talking about the lower tier quarterbacks that the SEC has this year? Because they don't, they have, they all have really good quarterbacks for the most part. Like when have we ever been in that situation? Just a complete side note. When's the last time we were in a situation where the SEC may have been, may be in the best quarterback situation in the country.
1: Who? I'm not prepared for that question, but
0: You know why? Because yeah, yeah, yeah. it because it never happens. But but back to Tex I, I, I like Jimbo Fisher a lot. And you can say whatever you want about the FSU situation. He handled some. No, no, stuff no, 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 no.
1: That's with, that no, I I've got that has nothing to do with anything in terms of how I think of uh his 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 coaching ability necessarily. Just just to have that Put that in there, yeah. No, that that's not me. Okay. That's not where what's, I'm coming from. But but a question? listener, maybe. Oh no, no, I asked my question. Te- why all the hype? That okay. was it. That was it. And you have that- at least filled in the gaps a little bit. That it is Jimbo Fisher. It's you can't just forget or dismiss that part of it. And Kellen Mond did Elko, Man, like
0: my th- their defensive coordinator is. You know, there's like five elite defensive coordinators in the country right now, and Mike Elko is one of them.
1: Yeah, he took them from 171 rushing yards allowed uh, on defense to 95. Yeah, dude they they went they they were third nationally in rush defense last year. Right, and and that's that's with eight returning starters last year. and He's got four this year, and again, that doesn't that's not the break the make or break statistic or the make or break uh you know that's not the linchpin here, but it. It's just a, a part to consider, I guess. I mean,
0: yeah, you're you're right. I would argue that seven of them are upperclassmen, seven that are returning. They may not be starters, but they are upperclassmen. Okay. So at least, so you know, between whether a junior or a senior, I look. I'm bullish on them, and I could could be completely wrong. I've been wrong in the past before, but when Jimbo Fisher went to Texas a and M, I I felt that within within four, within three to four years he would be playing for an SEC title at Texas A&M. And I'm not this may not be the year, but I do think this is the year where people start to see exactly what I thought was going to happen.
1: They do and this is something we hadn't added yet, uh the fourth toughest schedule in the country. They've got to go to Clemson. Yes. They've got to go to yeah. uh at, they got to go to Georgia and to LSU at the end of the year. And then of course they do get Alabama that's off of a bye week. Um And they play Auburn early on as well.
0: I mean, I can't, I can't steer away. Like they do have a gauntlet of a, of a schedule, but they get Clemson second week, which, and if they lose that, it doesn't affect their sec, you know, standards. Um, But then a month later they go to Alabama, you know, like, or two weeks later they go to Auburn. I I don't know. I just, I'm, I'm high on them and I may, I'm probably going to regret it, but I, I haven't given their win total yet, which we'll do when we break down the conference. But I'm just, I'm just bullish on them at this very moment in June. So we'll see what happens
1: between now and then. For shizzle, dizzle. Okay, Spencer. Next week, man. Yeah, group of, group five, of five. We'll, uh, we'll take what about about ten. We'll pick ten teams each. You'll pick ten, and I'll pick ten or or not 10. Do you want to grab a a smaller number, 7? We've done we've done 14, I think is the most that we've done in any given week uh, outside of the first week. So you just want to go with 7-8 teams? Um from the, from the group of 5?
0: I just think if you come up with 10 questions, if it goes across 10 teams, that's fine.
1: So right. 10 questions each and if it if you have one question or if you have more multiple questions for one team, you you
0: Yeah. It's
1: perfectly okay. fine. Kids All right. Because, like,
0: as much as I love watching Group Five, like, I'll be realistic, Group of Five is probably the least amount of listenership we probably have out of the millions and millions of listeners we have.
1: <laughs> right, the millions upon millions of yeah. Rocks fans. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll get out of here. We appreciate everybody listening. Uh, pre- uh, be sure to uh, like and subscribe. Thank you for joining us here on a uh, For a Rich Tradition college football podcast. I'm Spencer Van Horn. He's Robbie Stelton-Pole. Peace.